Are you thankful to be called a child of God? Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 22. While you're turning there in your Bibles to Matthew, chapter 22, um, one last announcement. Ladies, if you ordered a shirt from the ladies' Bible study, would you please see Jessica? She'll be out in the foyer right after the morning service. If you ordered a shirt from the ladies' Bible study, please see Jessica in the foyer. Matthew, chapter 22, last Sunday morning, we looked at the intimacy of God. We, we looked at listening for the voice of God. We, we looked at the fact that sometimes when God speaks, He speaks in a whisper. And we talked a great deal about the whisper. Sometimes in order for somebody to whisper to you, they've got to lean down. Sometimes they'll even put their arm, whew, put their arm around you. Lean up next to you and put their hand on the side of your face. And you can feel their breath when they whisper to you. And we talked about having that kind of intimacy with God. That kind of relationship where God himself would lean down and whisper, how do you get God that close to you? How do you get God to lean down and put his arm around you? How do you get God to lean so close to you that you can feel his breath on your neck? How, how do you get that out of God? It's simple. You desire a relationship with him. You know, it is very simple to have a relationship with someone who wants to have a relationship with you. It's not like you've got to try to pry or, or twist or sway or do anything to cause God to want to desire a relationship with you. God desires a relationship with you so much that 2,000 years before you were ever even a thought on the planet, He sent His only begotten Son to die on Calvary's cross to shed His blood because He knew you were going to come along in a couple of thousand years living in LaGrange, Georgia. And before your parents ever even knew you were going to exist, God already desired a relationship with you and it is his desire to lean down and let you feel his breath on your neck it's not complicated you just have to desire the relationship with him the reason God created man was for a relationship God designed each one of us for a specific purpose we all have our own fingerprint we all have our own DNA we all have our own responsibilities we all have our own purpose set forth by God before the foundation of the earth you had a purpose and today each one of us in this place we have a purpose designed by God that no one can feel your exact purpose in this life but you but there is a purpose that we all have and that is to have a fellowship with God there are some things that, that, that we're all supposed to be doing. And I want to take a look this morning at a message entitled, The Primary Purpose of Life. Matthew chapter number 22, beginning in verse number 34. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. And one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempted him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in all the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. He said, But the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. God, I pray you'd take your word this morning. I pray you'd pierce it into the hearts of your children, God. God, I pray that if there's any area in us that needs to be broken, I pray you'd break it this morning. 
And God, I pray if there's any burdens or ties that bind, would you release them this morning, Lord? Would you free some people from some chains? And God, I pray you'd help us to walk out of this door better than we were when we came in. And God, I pray you'd cleanse us in the blood this morning. I pray you'd do what only you can do. Would you, sweet Holy Spirit, whisper into the ear of everybody in this place according to the message that each one of us need individually. God, I pray you'd forgive me where I failed you. And God, I pray you'd cleanse me of all sin and iniquity, anything that would hinder the Holy Spirit from making me a usable vessel right now, God, that you might speak to your children in this next few minutes. And God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have, have you ever wondered, why, why are you here? Why, why were you born? What is your purpose? Why does God even allow you to exist? What is your primary purpose in life? Well, everything has a primary purpose. And when something ceases to fulfill its primary purpose, then it is no longer of any value. That either went right over or y'all wasn't listening yet. When something ceases to fulfill its primary purpose, it is no longer of any value. An example, a good example would be a pen, an ink pen. A pen is designed to write. If the pen doesn't write, then it's useless. Agree? If it might be your favorite pen. But once it runs out of ink, it's no longer any good. I heard many years ago, those of you that are up in my age old, you may have heard the same when we sent some astronauts into space and they got up on the moon and they, they said they couldn't take notes because the pen wouldn't write. Pens were gravity fed and it took the gravity to pull and it caused the ink. And so they got them, they couldn't take notes. So the way I heard it was that we spent a few million dollars designing pens that will write upside down or any other kind of way so they could use them up there in space, you know, because they don't have any gravity. I also heard that the Russians faced the same problem, so they simply used a pencil. I don't <laughs> Sounds like something America would do, spend a few million for something that's not all that important. But, but the truth is, if you have a pen that, that's not any good, you, you just throw it away. It's better to have a 50-cent plastic pen that writes really, really good than to have a $400 designer pen that won't write. Amen in the house. It's better to have a Volkswagen Beetle sitting in the garage that cranks every time you get in it, takes you everywhere you want to go, never lets you down, never fails you, than it is to have the highest grade Mercedes Benz sitting out there that may or may not crank and may leave you stranded. It, it, once something is no longer fulfilling its purpose, it's of no value to us. Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment in all the law? Jesus didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to say, I'll get back with you on that one. Let, let me go do some praying. Let me spend a little time studying, and I'll come back and, and bring you an answer. No, he knew the answer. As a matter of fact, the way that the Scripture is written, there's no hesitation at all. He goes straight to the primary purpose of my primary purpose and your primary purpose. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. All of thy soul, all of thy mind. But he said this is the first and great commandment. That kind of stands out to me because he emphasized that this is the first and great commandment. Notice they didn't ask him which one was the first. They asked him which one was the greatest commandment in all the law. And he said this is not only the greatest, but this is the first commandment, that you must love your God. You must love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. 
So that has to be the first. But he didn't stop there. He immediately rolled on into the second part of our primary purpose. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The first five books of the Bible written by the hand of Moses, we call them the Pentateuch. In the Old Testament day, the Jews called them the law. It was the Torah. It was the law. It contains 613 commandments of God. But then also in our Old Testament, we have what we call the minor prophets and and the major prophets. There are 12 of the minor prophets. Um, We have Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those are called minor prophets in the Old Testament. We have five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Now, the reason they're called minor prophets and major prophets has nothing to do with the person that wrote them. It's not that one's a greater prophet than the other one and one's a greater person. It's just simply the length of the books. I think it's 14 chapters and under that that designates minor prophets. But what they had in the day was that they had the law and they had the prophets. When the Jewish lawyer asked Jesus the question, he answered immediately, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And he added, This is the first and great commandment. And then he gave us the second, but he said, On these two commandments hang all the law, first five books of what we call the Old Testament, and the prophets. 17 of the books of prophets. Jesus said, everything that is there all boils down to this. He gave us these two great commandments. And he says, on these two, everything else hangs right here. Love God. Love others. On these two commandments, you can hang everything else. So what Jesus is simply saying is if you keep these two commandments, then you're automatically going to keep all the other laws in the book. If you love God then you're not going to sin against God. If you love the brethren, if you love people the way God commands us to, then you're not going to sin against people. And I believe the reason Jesus said this is the first and great is because it's the first part of the Ten Commandments. And I believe Jesus was letting us know that I'm including not only the Ten Commandments, but all 613 of the law, plus all the ones that are given in the prophet. I'm, I'm including all that. This is the first and the greatest, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God. That is our vertical dimension. That, that is our vertical worship. But then he included a horizontal worship. We have to love each other equally. Amen? Here in Exodus chapter 20, y'all know the Ten Commandments. But the first four of the Ten Commandments deal with our vertical relationship. They deal with our relationship with God. He, he says very simply, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And then he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor any, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that in, in, in that them is. I ran out of wind before I got through. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. That's the first four of the Ten Commandments. That, that is the central feature that God started out. So he gave us four commandments that deals with our relationship with God. But then he gave us six commandments that deals with the relationship with man. Matter of fact, the fifth commandment, the first one dealing with man, it, it is the only commandment that comes with a promise. He says, honor thy father and thy mother. There's your commandment. Here's your promise. That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. The last one, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. If we keep those, we will never sin against our fellow man. So when the Pharisees set out to tempt Jesus, he simply told them this, of all the commandments in the word of God, of everything that's in there from in the beginning to amen. Of everything that is there that God requires of you. All the commandments simply boil down to one thing. Love. Love God. Love one another. According to Jesus, we who are called his followers, we're to love God with everything that we have. To love God and to love others the same way that he loved us. And that love, everybody said, hallelujah, thank you, is unconditional. It's not on whether or not you're good enough to be loved. It's not on whether or not you're righteous enough to be loved. It's not on whether or not you act like you ought to be loved. It's not on whether or not you love him. It is an unconditional love. And he said we're supposed to love each other the same way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 13. The Apostle Paul said, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. The other word for charity is love. Used here in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the Greek word used there is agape love. And, and that's what he's talking about in that word charity. It, it means a dear love. To, to pour everything, to have full emphasis. It is an, an affectionate love. Paul says that's the greatest of these. So, when Jesus was asked to identify the great commandment of all the hundreds of commandments, he simply said that we are to love God with all that we are. Our love for God ought to be greater than our love for anything else. Husbands and wives, pay attention. I, I, I had to do some things one time. And, and it created a change after you've been married 20-something years and you begin to try to put some things in order and, and you begin to realize that, that you love your wife more than you love God. And that's out of order. And, and you begin to try to get some things back. You must love God first and foremost. Your, your spouse is second. Your family is next. Your church is next. If you put anything before God, you have an idol in your life. And God can't honor that. So he says, first and great is to love the Lord thy God. Society around us today, they try to change that around. They, but then again, they, we talked about it. We'll talk about it some more tonight, that pluralism religion. They want to say that everybody's going to the same place. We just call it different things, and we're just taking different routes to get there. No, we ain't going to the same place, those that believe that lie. And they've not put their faith in the Son of God called the Lord Jesus Christ. They're on their way to hell and I'm not going there with you. 
If you put your faith and your hope in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood shed on Calvary's cross that washes away your sin, and trusting him as your personal Lord and Savior, hell is your home. But you can change that if you accept the free gift of God. There is a difference. We live in this humanistic, pluralistic society, and they say, well, the way to love God is to pour into all these humanistic efforts, you know, try to help people overseas when they have some national disasters over there, natural disasters, or, or, or make sure you help the homeless and make sure you help the needy and you, you pour into those in need, and, and that's how you show your love for God. No, it's not. You can't love people if you don't love God first. It's impossible for you and I to love People, there's no possible way that we can love each other the way that we're supposed to if it's not the love of God in us and if it's not the love of Christ flowing through us. It's the love of Christ that loves people. It's the love of God that they see you and I don't have that kind of love in us except in the Lord Jesus Christ. You got a world over here saying you pour your love into people and then you're on your way to loving God. No, you're not. Jesus says it is the first and great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. But he did say that the second is like unto it. That means it's equal to. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. How many of you, hopefully, before you got married, you fell in love with your spouse? Those of you, if you didn't, was it the money? I mean, what was it? <laughs> yeah, push his hand up. Push it up. Come on, deacon. When, when you fall in love with somebody, you, you desire a relationship with somebody. Robin and I dated for over six years before we were married. And the greatest majority of those years, I was away at college. She lived up here in College Park, worked at Robinson Humphrey in downtown Atlanta, and I was down in South Georgia in school. And, and this, the younger generation, y'all ain't going to get this, but we didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> we, we didn't have no ways of communication. The only way, you know, middle school is emerged next door. They over there. Y'all remind me to tell them that down there, that little Superman game that we brought. Da, da, da. Da, 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 da. They think that's just like a private dressing room for Superman. They don't understand that was a phone booth. We, we actually had those things. And the only way that, that I could talk to her was to go stand down in this little closet and put a dime in, and that dime would give you a dial tone, and you'd say, and get you an operator. And you tell her you'd like to place a long-distance call, and she tells you how much money you got to put in in order to place it. So you put the money in there, and that tells you that you can talk for three minutes on the amount of money. And then somebody answers the phone. You spend the first minute and a half on trying to find Robin to get her to the phone. And, and then as you talk, the operator comes and you got 30 seconds left. you got to put more money in. And you sit there putting money in till your pockets are dry. And you say, baby, that's it. I'm out of change. I love you. I hope I get to come home this weekend. And you get to do that maybe once a week. Twice at the absolute most, but there was a desire there. But, but you know what else we did? This is going to blow the minds of some young people. We wrote letters. <gasps> I mean, we took, we took one of these and one of these, and we started writing. It wasn't a three-second, did it, it sin? Oh, really? Did it, it sin? 
Oh, yeah, me too. No, no, no. You had to write everything you could think of at one time because when you get through, you got to walk down to the post office, pay 10 cents to get a stamp. For those that don't know what it is, it's a little thing that costs 40-something cents now. You put it on, and you got to have one. And you hopefully in three days, they would get your letter. But what that letter said when they got that letter was it said, I love you. Hey, I'm so glad I got to talk. Or, hey, hope you're at home on Thursday. I'll be calling you then. But that letter said everything you wanted to say. It was a letter that just wanted to know, I desire a relationship with you. I desire communication with you. I desire to have this form of open communication. I de- you know what I got that this younger generation I got? I got some letters that are nearly 40 years old. I can hold her accountable. There was a time when she loved me. If she ever acts like she don't, I can say, hey, let me go pull some letters out. I ain't always been bad. There was a day right here when you said I was the sweetest muffin in your pot. (laughs) Time has a way of doing some things. But the reason we did the letters and the reason we did that stuff is because there was a desire to communicate. There was a desire to talk to somebody because you love somebody. You ain't got it yet. God Almighty sent you a love letter that said, I want you to know I love you. I care everything about you. I gave my son for you. I want you to know you mean so much to me that my only begotten son died. And if you truly desire a relationship with him, you'll read the letter. She'd send me a letter. I'd read it five times. Put it up. Get it up in another hour. Those of you who's been in the military, thank you very much for your service. And you know exactly what I'm talking about in the power of a letter. I can only imagine what it'd be like to be on foreign soil and get a letter from home that tells about your family, tells about your wife or husband, tells about your children, tells about what's going on. I can only imagine how dear a letter would have been. Well, this letter ought to be that dear. This is a letter sent from heaven. This is, I desire that relationship. And if we truly desire that kind of relationship back with him, we're going to read his letter. We're going to wake up in the morning as soon as our eyes open and say, Thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for such a comfortable place to have slept last night. Thank you, Lord, that I woke up this morning with another day to serve you. God, don't let me waste it. Don't let anybody walk by me on their way to hell and I just leave them going unnoticed. Don't let anybody pass by me that needs to be helped. You sent me there and, and I blew it, God. Help me on this day before my feet hit the floor. I'm asking you right now before I get out of this bed, God, will you anoint me for this day that I might be pleasing to you, that I might be a usable vessel held in the hand of God, to be a tool of God, that somebody on their way to hell, somebody hurting, somebody broken, might get some help today. Will you use me, God? If we really want a relationship, we'll start talking to him before we ever roll our feet out onto the floor. You've heard me say, A lot of times that I love you is just three cheap words, and they are. They're easy spoken, and they ain't worth two cents if they're not backed up by your actions. If your actions don't say I love you, don't bother letting your lips say it. we, We prove things by our actions. Genuine love is accompanied by our actions. If we truly love God, then we're going to love others, and it's going to show. The book of 1 John chapter 4. The Bible says, beginning in verse number 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 
In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. Chapter 2, verse number 8 of 1 John. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Chapter 3, verse number 14, still in the book of 1 John. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer. You know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. If we love people, it'll show in our actions. If we love God, it'll show in the way we love people. Unfortunately, many people have a lot of problems with that second commandment today. You expect me to love him, the way he acts, after what he did? You expect me to love her? You expect me to love them? You, 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 that one laying in the ditch, stoned out of mind, you expect me to love them? That one that woke up drunk and looking for something else to carry it on, throwing up all over themselves. You expect me to love them? The word of God says of such for some of you. That God commendeth his love toward us in that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. It's called unconditional love. I, I heard it yesterday at, at the funeral for, for Angie's dad, Mr. Neal. That, that preacher speaking to Mr. Neal, he said he didn't see what somebody looked like and decided whether or not he's going to love them. He didn't see what color somebody was to decide whether or not he was going to love them. He didn't have to know what language. Listen, listen, that's the kind of love we're supposed to have. Now, I leave this world. I hope somebody can say something behind me even halfway similar to what they said yesterday about that incredible man. I was moved just by the things they had to say about him. I would like to think that somebody at my funeral could look back and say he loved people. Because if he didn't love people, how could he have truly loved God? Shown in our actions, not in our words. Jesus spent 33 years teaching us how to live. He walked on this earth for 33 years and he set an example for us and taught us how we ought to act. He showed us through his life and he showed us through his death what real love looks like. He showed us that, that real love is, is unlimited. Real love is, is unselfish. It is, it is unchanging. He showed us that it is unconditional. He loves us in spite of us. The night before Jesus offered up his life there on Calvary's cross, he was in John chapter 13, verse number 34. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love, that you also love one another. By this, y'all know I use this text an awful lot because it means an awful lot. 
by this, not by how often you come to church, not by how you dress, not, not, not by how you keep your yard cut, but, but, but by this, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. The call to love is not a suggestion. The call to love isn't something that was added to it and you get to read through a selection. This isn't a multiple choice. He gave you ten and you get to choose the two you want to follow. If it's a commandment in the word of God, then it's a commandment we're supposed to obey it. But he says if we just obey these two, love God and love others, then we'll keep all the rest of them. He commanded us to love others the same way that he loves us, unconditional. That's the way he loved us then, and that's the way he loves us now. I'm thankful that he didn't just love me up until I got saved. He loved me all the way through. Uh, my sin wasn't paid for on the day that I got saved. My sin was paid for at the foundation of the world when he knew there'd be sin, and he knew he'd send Jesus there way before I ever got here. He already loved me enough to take care of my greatest need. The question is how? How can we possibly love people like that? You can go ahead and say, yeah, I'm, I'm with you now. I finally caught up with the message. How in the world do you love people? How can you just love everybody? How, how can you love the one that does this, that does that? Or you just don't know what they did to me. You know what? If somebody did something to you and you're having trouble loving them, you want to know how to love them, pray for them. I'm telling you firsthand, personal experience, it works. The person you don't like, pray for them. The person that did you the dirtiest, pray for them. The one that treated you wrong, stabbed you in the back, stole from you, did whatever they did, pray for them. It may not do anything about them, but it'll do everything for you. God will begin to take away any bitterness and all your bitterness inside. All it'll do is hinder you. It's not going to bother them. You can hate them your whole life. You can die hating them. It's not going to bother them. It's only going to bother you. Somebody's bothering you, you pray for them. Something's bothering you, pray for them. How do you love people? The fact is we can't. Only Christ in us can. The only way we're ever going to love people is to be sold out for Christ. To love God with everything in us. And it is God in us who loves others through us. So we have to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Jesus never blinked here in our text, which is the greatest commandment in all the law. There's no pause. There's no hesitation. It doesn't say he thought about it. He immediately said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love is the distinguishing characteristic that shows that we belong to him. That, that's how people recognize us as disciples. It is love. Everyone has a primary purpose. And our single primary purpose is love. Love God. Love others. <clears throat> I was looking at a speech earlier. Denzel Washington offered a commencement speech. I'm not like a Denzel Washington fan. But I did love the speech. He gave it a college graduation. <clears throat> he said um, that, that desire that you have in your heart. That, that desire to help others, that desire to, to reach out, that, that desire to do something bigger than yourself, that desire is God's proof to you sent beforehand that what you want is already yours. What he's saying is God puts a desire in your heart to help others. 
And it may look bigger than you. It may look too big for you. It may look impossible to you. But if God puts a desire in your heart, that is your sign that if you'll just go forward, God will walk with you. Y'all remember the message from a long time ago. What would you attempt if you knew God would bless it? Bruce Freeman preached it. What would you attempt if you knew God would bless it? Well, if God put a desire in your heart, that's evidence that God's going to bless it. He said, when, when you get to where you're going, reach back and pull someone else. He said, you'll never see a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse because you can't take it with you. He said, everything you have, use it here. Use it with all that you have to try to be a blessing to help others. But then he said this, don't just inspire to make a living. Inspire to make a difference. We can make a difference if we let God work through us. On Friday night, the ladies watched a movie down here when the baptismal went out and flooded them. Flooded while they were watching the movie. So we didn't get to have baptisms this morning. But they watched a movie called Same Kind of Different as Me. Um, the, the movie is based on a, on a true story. A uh, lady whose name was Debbie. And, and Debbie and her husband was having a lot of problems. Um, they, were, they were on the brink of divorce. Things just wasn't good at all, and that was the movie setting the stages. But Miss Debbie had a heart of compassion. She just loved people, and she worked at a homeless shelter, and she went down and just served meals to the homeless people that came through. And so in the process of it, her husband started coming and helping there in feeding the, the homeless and working in the assembly line there. And there was this incredibly mean homeless man named Denver and come in just, just shouting and, and ruthless and, and a bad person and... And the story goes on at how they set out to, to try to help Denver. They, they wanted to try to be a blessing to Denver. But, you know, the way things always turn out, when you set out to try to be a blessing to somebody else, God's going to use that to be your blessing. So they set out to try to help this, this mean, homeless man. And, and God used it and began to bless their life and bless their marriage and change some things around Many times we see people as different. We see some people as just weird. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, we're all weird in our own kind of way. And we're all different. And that's what that, that movie was, was talking about. This gentleman, Denver, Miss Debbie got cancer and, and died from the cancer. And, and you'll see. I'm going to show you a little video if y'all got that ready. Nod ahead. We have that ready? You don't have it ready? Dale? Ask Dale, ask Dale if he's got it loaded. You should have a movie in there. If you're not, then we won't get to watch it. We got it loaded, Dale? He's come crawling in on his knees. The video that I sent to the two of you on Thursday, y'all have it loaded? Same kind of different as me? The one that Miss Frieda sent me a thumbs up on? That's okay. I'm going to forgive y'all because I'm sitting here preaching on how I got to love people. Even when they crawl in, three days later, it ain't dead what you ask. Well, that's all right. I'm just, do what? Hey, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I, I'll just tell you what he said. He said up he had a lot to say about Miss Debbie. He talked about how she came in. There's a long line of homeless people came in laying yellow roses. And he talked about how everybody would have loved Miss Debbie and, and he started, he, he, he said, he had an old scruffy voice, he said, um, 
I, I never met Miss Debbie. Miss Debbie met me. Why I never wanted to know Miss Debbie or any other white woman for that matter. But Miss Debbie, Miss Debbie wanted to be my friend. She said, I don't know why anybody won't be my friend. But he talks about being locked up in a prison. And he's talking about the prison that the devil has people in. He's talking about chains that human efforts can't break. It takes the power of God. He, he said, hey, I was locked up in my prison. Many people just passed me by. He said, I don't blame them. I was not nice. He said, but Miss Debbie, <laughs> reached way down in her pocket and took out a key and freed me from my prison. And toward the end of it, he, he said, he talked about how he was different and how he was always afraid. And he was mean because he was different, even than the homeless people. He said, but I learned everybody different. Same kind of different as me. That's the kind of people we're supposed to love. The kind of person that, that is the hardest for you to love is the very one God put there for you to love. The kind of person you have the most difficulty in loving is the very one that God put there to teach you how to love. It's the very one that God put there to help you over the hurdles, to get you over the hump. And we need to understand, if we ain't loving people, we're not fulfilling what the church is here for. If the church isn't reaching out, helping the hurting and the homeless and the helpless, then we're not fulfilling the gospel of the church. If we're not reaching into a community loving the unlovable of such for some of us, if we're not reaching out and loving the unlovable, we have no reason to be here. When the church is not helping the homeless, when the church is not helping the broken, when the church is not a hospital. When something has lost its purpose, it no longer has any reason to exist. I don't want Faith Baptist Church to not have a reason to exist. I want Faith Baptist Church to be the church that loves people in spite of people. Because God loved us first. I want us to be the church that God can use to move mountains, hold people's hand and walk through their valley with them, be there for those that need you to be there, love them when it don't make sense. You loaded it? I done quoted half of it. Did you find the video I sent you? Well, we'll watch it then. As we all gather here today, every single one of us has sweet memories of this incredible lady. When Debbie asked me to do this service, she had only one request, and that was that Denver 
say a few words. So without further ado, for those of you who may not know him, this is the man of Debbie's dream, Denver Moore. I never met Miss Debbie. Miss Debbie met me. I didn't want to know Miss Debbie or any other wild woman for that matter. But ever since I know her, Miss Debbie want to be my friend. I'm sure she was friend to every soul in here. I still ain't figure out why she wanna know a fellow like me. I sure ain't been nothing to be proud of. I was captive, dad was prison most of my life. Many folks seen me there lock up and pass me by. I don't blame them. I was not nice, dangerous, and probably just as happy to stay in prison. She was different. She sent me behind them bars and reached way down in her pocket and pulled out the key God gave her to set me free. She's the only person to love me enough not to give up. Now I stand here. It changed me. It freed me. I used to spend a lot of time worrying. I was different from other people, even all the homeless folk. And then after I met Miss Debbie and Mr. Room, I worried I was so different from them that we were never gonna have no kind of future. But what I found out was everybody's different. Same kind different as me. We all regular folks walking down the street God don't set in front of us. And Miss Debbie, she's a whole nother kind different. Miss Debbie, she dream of a better place for the homeless. And I ain't talking about heaven now. I'm talking about right here in Yorkstown. Now I'm going to pick up Miss Debbie's torch and I'm going to carry it around. It will make Miss Debbie real happy if you will make her dream come true. And pick up her torch and carry it around too. Now I'm fixing to do something the devil ain't never done for you. I'm gonna cut you loose. But before I do, you can take this with you. Whether we is rich, or whether we is poor, or some in between, 
is all homeless. Every last one of us. Just working our way back home. Welcome home, Miss Debbie. Welcome home. can't speak for nobody else but I need help I need help loving the unlovable I need help loving people that's done me wrong I need help loving the people that stab you in the back talk about you behind your back tear you down I need help praying for them if you need help I'm just going to ask you to come pray this morning and ask God to help us. Ask God to help each one of us as an individual to love people the way we're supposed to love people. This church can't love people the way this church is supposed to love people until we love people the way we're supposed to love people. We, we, we are the church. We're the body of Christ that God's put here together. We're a family. God says that we're to love one another. Same way that God loved us. If we ever, if we ever slander somebody else, if we ever gossip about somebody else, if we ever talk about somebody behind their back, if we ever spread what we think somebody's done, if you open your mouth in any negative way against another individual, that is the opposite of the love of Christ. Say I love you from an old rugged cross. 
rugged cross. I could, real quick, while you're still praying, heads bowed, eyes closed, if there's anybody in this place you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I don't want you to leave here this morning without knowing that you know that if you died, you'd be in heaven. And the only way to do that is ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and save your soul. Anybody in here tonight, you say, I, I, I want to, if tonight, this morning, you said, I, I want to go to heaven. I want to know for certain. Are you willing to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins? We all know that we're sinners. Are you willing to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save my soul in Jesus' name. It's the blood of Jesus that will cleanse your sins and set you free and give you an eternal home in heaven. You said that prayer this morning. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to pray with you. And I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to celebrate and rejoice that Jesus washed away your sins today. Right where you at, you just hold your hand up. Nobody's looking around but me. Just hold your hand up. So I said that prayer this morning. I've asked Jesus to save my soul. Many of you came to the altar. Some of you prayed in your seat. One last question. If you want to say, God, will you help me to love you first and foremost? May it show in my actions and show in my attitudes and show in the way that I desire my relationship with you. Will you help me love you first and foremost? And God, will you help me love people? Will you help me that people could see the love of Christ in me and the love of Christ through me? I need your help. Will you just raise your hand right where you're at? Say, God, I need your help. I just want to be a light. I want to be like that bush on the hill when Moses said, now let me turn aside and see this great sight. It wasn't about the bush. It was about the God in the bush. I just want to be the bush with God shining in it. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. You, um, before I pray, um, we got Easter play practice. Y'all got your schedule. Know when to be here. Most of us be back at 2 o'clock, um, which isn't very long now. Choir, thank you so much for your dedication. Practice from 2 to 4. And choir, practice at 4.15 today. And be back tonight to sing in the choir. I want to ask you if you can be back tonight. Be great. How many of you believe that Jesus is coming back? There's three prophecies of the coming in the form of God and the Word of God. Two of them are fulfilled. One of them is not. And the other one's the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to call home his bride. And Jesus talks about some signs to look for and some things that we ought to see. And we're going to be back in the book of Matthew tonight. I'm going to talk about the signs. But I'm also going to talk about where a point we need to quit looking for signs and start listening for a shout. I hope you can be back tonight for the message. God, thank you so much for loving us the way that you do, God. I pray you'd help.